Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Next question is for me. The uh, Profit First book, you state that the owner's taxes should be paid by the business. And this is a hard concept for me to grasp. Of course, the owner's payroll taxes are paid by the corporation, but it seems that you're indicating that the end of year personal taxes shall be paid by the corp. That's right. This seems to be like just another W-2 payment to the owner incurring yet more taxes. What gives? Yeah, Kevin, nice you caught me on a technicality. That's it's true that um, that money that comes out, you will incur tax on it. And it's kind of crazy because that's your tax account, right? But the government... First, let's look at it from the government's perspective. They don't know what you nickname your bank accounts. You could call it my gold mine. Uh, you can call it tax. You can call it any words. They see that as just cash. And how taxes work in the U.S. and actually, I've been I've traveled a lot now. I've yet to find a country that acts differently. Is the money that comes out of a business? If you spend it on as an expense, you're generally not taxed on that because the entity that received that money, they're going to be taxed on it. The money that is is given to the shareholders of the business or retains, retained in the business, um, collectively could be considered profit, uh, is taxable. So even though we allocate money to an account called owner's comp, that's a normalized salary for the owner, profit, which, they, which is different than a normalized salary, profit is a reward to the shareholder for starting the business. And then the tax account, which is money reserved for taxes, all that money, the government sees collectively as money that wasn't spent on expenses, therefore will tax you on it. So that's kind of how the government sees it. But the business still needs to reserve money in that account because you're going to have to pay your taxes. The primary reason I found that people start, actually there's two reasons people start businesses. The number one reason is because they're doing something that they feel is, is exciting, compelling, it gives them joy. The number 1.1 reason, I mean, it's up there, it's almost the same, the number two reason, but right next to it is financial freedom. So we start our businesses because we want to do something that gives us joy and satisfaction and control and something that gives us money. That's why we start a business. Yet, one of the biggest bills associated with the operation of a business that entrepreneurs are never prepared for is the tax bill. It's usually the number one biggest bill associated with operating a business, and we get blindsided by it every year. Like, oh, I owe how much? What's going on here? So, the business, and this is true regardless of your formation, you know, S Corp, C Corp, LLC, LP, regardless of your formation, the business can reserve your tax liabilities for you. Then, when tax time comes, the business can pay the tax on your behalf in some cases, LLCs, LPs. Other cases, it does what's called a tax distribution reimbursement to the owner. That's an S Corp, C Corp, and stuff like that. So you work with an accountant here, but the business must reserve the taxes. And no, it doesn't result in double taxation because you're reserving money for taxes to give to the government and they're taxing you on it. It's not double taxation because the government just sees money left over or money that's been spent. So would you say that uh, a better way of explaining it is that, you know, you're paid on a salary basis every month or whatever it be. And then come April where you're going to be taxed for 2019 for your personal income, the, the company is going to bonus you money from yeah. the tax account to you, which that bonus money will then be taxed in the 2020 return. Yeah. Right? That's okay. a great way. You should yeah. have written the book. Damn it. Why did I do this? That's better. <laughs> Hey, you can put it in version two, right? Yeah, yeah version the two. Update. By Kevin Dickinson. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if everybody really understands it this in detail, but yeah, it, I, I actually read it about six months ago and I've been thinking about this question ever yeah. since. So I'm That's so a great question. It's a great way to see it too. 
Cool. So the next question is, as business owners, we all typically have benefits expensed through the corp, whether it be an occasional meal, home internet, whatever. A lot of us Amazon sellers, e-commerce entrepreneurs, sure. we, work, we work from home. So there's actually like an owner's benefit to get like my internet paid by the business, right? So these yep. are like considered gray area items. So we want to run the business as, po as profitable as possible, but we also... Uh, we don't want to leave these expenses on the table. We want to essentially run them through the business. Um, it seems like some of us might run more than others. I call them like bullshit expenses, right? Like, yeah. Hey, I'm going to get a new sit stand desk or, you know, is that, is that the business or the personal? And so one way I've thought about this is like, it's sort of like an owner's benefit. So yeah. what if I split out my expenses? If that's like sort of a, a gray area expense that would then come out of the owner's the owner yeah, it's a, it's a great idea. So how we do it in the kind of the puritanical profit first sense is any owner benefit comes out of the owner compensation account. So we have an account we call owner's comp, which pays your normalized salary, but also any benefits the owner derives, that car you're driving around. It's an owner benefit, but since the business now will be paying for it directly, it's an expense to the business and it reduces your tax consequences legally. So that's uh, where we can do it. But if you want to break out even further, that's a great idea. You can also do that. You know, you know, Profit First, the foundational system is based upon five foundational accounts at your primary bank and then two additional accounts at a secondary bank. Um, but it's simply the foundational system. People that have implemented Profit First, we often find ends up with, you know, more accounts. It's not too abnormal to see seven, eight. We have one business at 20 accounts. And I know the bankers pull their hair out over that, but it isn't about the bankers. It's about our business. And if you can allocate money at your bank so that when you log in, you know it's intended use before you spend it, you'll operate a much more effective business than otherwise. Yeah, yeah. One strategy I've used is I have two different credit cards that I pay off every month. One is for like owner's, ex owner's benefit expenses, another yep. one for like true company expenses. That's helped me like allocate and keep smart. Track. That's smart, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, last question that I had. Um, so e-commerce, right? I've been doing profit first for about six months now. It seems like analyzing cash flow rhythms can be really difficult when you have like an e-commerce business, especially if I have a seasonal business. Yeah, seasonal. So we've been advised to push the profit allocation percentages higher on a monthly basis, but I'm apprehensive to do so until I can really observe a rhythm. And it's been like six months, but I've still like only tweaked them a little bit because the rhythm, it's like a seasonal thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can we deal with this more effectively? So I would, I would look at an annual basis. I mean, there's no rush to tweak the numbers and optimize it until you see the entire year play out in a seasonal type business. But there is a hack. If you know when the seasonality is, so for, for so many Amazon sellers that I'm aware of, it's the fall season as they prepare for the winter holidays that the most volume moves for, you know, with consumer purchases. So, you know, October is intense. November is a big month, December too. January sometimes too. And so what they do is they set up, so say it's those three months, uh, November, October, November, December is the three strongest months, historically. What we do then is we set up another account at our bank called the drip account. And when those deposits come in, it goes into our drip account as opposed to going into, which we haven't talked about the techniques, but it goes into income and gets allocated. The drip account is the realization that that money that comes in during that quarter isn't to pay for bills or maintain the business for a quarter. It's to maintain the business during the off season too. So when the money comes in, yes, we're gonna have direct bills associated with it. And we have to cover those, but then the, the gains from that drip out over 
the, the remaining three other quarters. So if, if say uh, $10,000 came into that account, um, we wouldn't just allocate all $10,000 out or let's say $12,000, it's easier. $12,000 comes in, we don't allocate it out. We now carve it up over 12 pieces. So every month, one twelfth of that or $1,000 comes out into the business. So that 12,000 in that short period addresses the business for the entirety of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's also can be an argument that like your company should be profitable in the least, uh, least likely month. So like February, yep. right? I'm into that. So the drip account, we don't want the drip account skewing it off so that it looks like, you know, it, what's really happening is December is really, you know, compensating for all remaining months. But yeah, I think that one thing that is interesting, the drip account, a lot of us, we have to place like big orders in like August, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know, some of our biggest orders. And and then it's not, not only, it's not really realized until December or November. Right. So you have a big gap. And so, so, the, like, so the winds, the winds in yeah. September or November or whatever, that's got to be reserved for the next August, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Q4 is big preparation time for, you know, everybody's yeah. like, I'm saving up for Q4 and I'm going to spend right, all right. this We're money. All yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then, the funny thing, it, you know, that, that's a good response. Like we got to save up for Q4. The thing is, is there a deliberate mechanism to make that happen? So, you know, you, with Private First, you can set up an account called the Q4 account. And every month of operations, you just start funding that account with a little percentage of the, the income coming in preparing for the Q4. I like that. That yeah. is a really, that's a really great way to think about it. I think that'll really help a lot of our listeners who are, cause that's a big thing. You know, people are like, oh my gosh, I have to make this big, this big order for Q4 and I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I need to take on more debt. Can I get loans? You know? And so if you're preparing for that all year long, uh, it's definitely going to be helpful. Yeah. Um, this works in our personal finances. Like say you need to buy a car one day and the car is, you know, it's not a cheap car. It's 50 grand or something. You can start making car payments today. Yeah. to an account called future car. And now you're allocating say $500 a month. Well, every month you're allocating 6,000 within five years or six years, whatever it is, you're going to be ready, you know? So you that. hear that Amazon guru start saving up for that Lamborghini now. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't buy I love it. Don't buy a Lamborghini. I'm, I'm going to no. have a separate account for the, the cash suitcase, right? Cause if you have the Lamborghini, <laughs> you have to have the cash suitcase open next to it to, you know, put on that yeah. extra frosting. I, uh, I had a Viper for a period of time. And uh, uh, th that was a very, for me, a very egotistical stage. I wanted to show my success and stuff. I, I now call that the, the winning trophy for dicks is the Viper. <laughs> because I was just being a dick. I was just being a dick. And um, the other thing is like, someone came to me, a guy came to me like, dude, well, at least it's a chick magnet. I'll tell you what it is. It's a magnet for 13 year old boys. Uh, <laughs> so the, to me, Lamborghinis and Vipers are off the list. No value in those. So you're I'm saying, so you're saying it. Oh, go ahead. Amy. Uh, no, I was going to say, I'm going to, you know, I've thought about taking some professional pictures with my Prius, you know, it's cool. I, I'm impressed by a Prius. Yeah. <laughs> I am impressed by that car. That's a pretty freaking cool. Oh, it's my second one. And, and let me say this. I'm not busting Lamborghinis. If, if someone aspires to have one and stuff, just for me, it's no longer a fit. It, it, I thought it meant something to own a Viper. And a Viper's not a Lamborghini. I get it. But to own that, I thought it meant something. No. And I think, you know, we, we all talk about it. For, for every business owner, you, your Lamborghini might be something different. Yeah. Your Lamborghini might be that vacation home on the beach. Your Lamborghini yeah. might be, you know, so we all aspire to do different things, but you know, in, in the Amazon community, it's kind of a joke with the guy. We deserve that. 
I think we should aspire to have those things. My mistake was I thought it meant something. Like it was a, a mechanism to show how great I was. And I think if we, we procure stuff for that purpose, there's no value. But if it satisfies us, if it brings us joy, go at it. Totally, you know? Well, Mike, I'm excited to be able to ask you about clockwork. You know, I've read The Pumpkin Plan. I've read Profit First. But Clockwork was a book for me that really changed a lot of things. I know one of our listeners, Stephen Black, is, is just commented on our Facebook Live. And he said, I was living like the lady in the, in the you know, first chapter of the book. Oh, you know? and, that's a true story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think at first, the thought of leaving your business for a four-week vacation where you are not allowed to work in your business or do anything, it at first it terrified me, right? Because yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's my baby. I can't just, what? I have to trust other people? Yeah. And then, you know, the more I thought about it and the more I read the book and got your examples, I was like, wow, it's really freeing. Yeah, it can it's be freeing. liberating. Yeah. And so, you know, I think how many, how many of your readers reach out to you and struggle with the concept of implementing clockwork? Oh, many do. Many struggle with, with the concepts because it, it does require you to try something new and it does challenge the ingrained mentality. So actually I don't even like the word entrepreneur anymore. Entrepreneur is my, was my favorite word ever because it, it speaks to who we are. The thing is, the definition of entrepreneur has been bastardized to someone that's hustle and grind. Like you got to work your ass off. So people read this and they're like, but no, entrepreneurship is hustle and grind. And I'm like, that was never the intended definition. An entrepreneur is someone who, who choreographs the resources around them to achieve the outcome they have envisioned. It's not about doing the work. It's about organizing other resources, other people to get the work done to achieve what the vision is. And so that's why the, the clockwork for vacation is so important. If, and I should say, when you pull that off, you've proven that the business can operate in your absence. For most businesses, we are in four week cycles, monthly cycles. We, get, we, you know, we have to have bills paid, uh, we acquire inventory uh, with the stock, um, we have employees, part-time work, virtual help that comes and goes. You know, we have clients that are dissatisfied, clients that are happy, all these elements happen. If we can extract ourselves from the operation of the business for four consecutive weeks, that means the business, the people that we have or the processes that we use or the systems or the combination thereof have to be the providers. And what I explain in the book is we need to make this declaration of a fortification and commit to it, but not tomorrow morning. Like I don't, anyone listening in right now, I don't, I'm not telling you tomorrow, let's go on a fortification and see how your business does. That's probably a mistake. But what I am saying is a year and a half, maybe two years out from today, let's commit to a fortification. And you can do that. I know your schedule's open, a year and a half, two years from now, book it, four weeks, non-negotiable, tell your family, your loved ones, uh, you know, that are going to hold you accountable to because you're taking them on your vacation. And the goal here, it's not about some grand vacation. Do whatever satisfies you. You can go to your mother-in-law's and spend four weeks there. I don't care. But the key, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. The one thing you can't do is go to your mother-in-law's for four weeks. But what you need to do is, uh, is now you have a mind shift. Now you yep. can no longer say, how am I going to hustle and grind my way through it? How am I going to do the work? You're going to start asking who is going to do this work? What technology or systems can I use to automate this stuff? Can I bring in virtual help? Do, do I need to hire an employee? But we have to start removing it from us. And as every day gets closer, the pressure mounts on removing ourselves from the business. And I think that's so powerful is because that, that 
four week vacation allows your mind to start shifting of okay and and I think you have an example in the book of you know you talk about what if you were to get sick or what if something were to happen and you know I use that a lot now when I'm coaching I'm like okay well what if you were to get sick what if something were to happen to you or the the main manager that runs your business right um, you know, you really need to be thinking about those things, but that's exactly what I started thinking about. Okay. If I went on vacation tomorrow, who would do this? And yeah. so I was able to slowly start kind of thinking about, okay, do I have a process for this? And the big other thing that, that you said in, in clockwork that I loved was you talked about how, uh, and you know, I spent a long time in the military, in the U S military, in the air force. And we made a lot of continuity binders with processes in them all written up and everything. And so I thought I needed to do that in my business. And right. you gave me permission to not do that. And it was so wonderful because you, you know, you were talking about, you need to write everything down and everything yeah. needs to be in these nice little binders and everything needs to be put on the shelf. Right. And you're yeah. like, no, you're never no. going to actually use that stuff. It's going to collect us. So that gave me permission to create videos, to do it one time, to really streamline the process and, uh, that was that was really great. What would you say are the easiest and the most difficult obstacles in clockwork for people to to implement? Well, the concept I talk about in the book, this concept of the QBR or the queen bee role. Uh-oh, I think we might have lost him. Oh, no. So we heard the concept of the queen bee role. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh no. Yep. All right. So I think the last thing that you mentioned, Mike, if you can still hear us. Oh, there you are. I'm coming on a different yeah. yeah. I'm coming I'm on, on a, a different device. I'm um so you talked about the concept of the queen bee role. Yes, yes. And so it's called biomimicry. We take something from nature and we translate it into business. Here was the discovery is that many people struggle with that. And the queen bee role is identifying the one activity within our business that drives the most benefit. In beehives, why I got the queen bee role is queen bees lay the egg and the eggs allow for the survival of the colony. Now that the queen bee is not the most important bee. She just happens to serve the role of producing eggs. She's expendable. Uh, and if she's going to produce it, they will spawn a new bee. Well, in our business, there's a singular function. In every business, there's a singular function that's the most important function to the survivability and therefore the thrive factor of the business. We need to know what it is. And so a lot of people struggle with that. The example I encourage people to do is, is follow um, the example of Facebook, uh, of uh, FedEx. FedEx promises to deliver packages on time. They do a lot of things, but their number one promise is to deliver packages on time. So step one for our business is, what's the number one promise or guarantee or commitment we're making to our customers? Then we ask of all the activities that we do, what most makes that promise a reality? So for FedEx, they have customer service, they have all these different things, but they also do logistics. And of all the things FedEx does, logistics is the most important thing to ensure packages get delivered on time. They could abandon their customer service department and uh, just still focus on logistics and there'll be some complaints that they don't answer the phones, but packages are being delivered. Conversely, they could say, screw logistics, we're going to focus on customer service. 
they may be friendly, but no one knows where the hell the packages are. They're going out of business. And this is FedEx. What is our QBRs where people struggle? And yet that's one of the most important facets. So I just challenge people to think about what's the biggest promise you're making to the customers and of all your activities, which one activity most delivers that promise? That is our QBR and it must always be humming along. It can never be compromised. And you must defend it. <laughs> defend defend right? it. Defend, defend it. Like crazy. it. Because that's what's going to keep your business running. So my question for you is, can you tell us what your QBR is? Absolutely. It's writing books. And when we start off, my promise to my customer base is to simplify entrepreneurship. I make entrepreneurship simpler. That's my commitment. That's my promise. Now, I do speaking, you know, interviews. I write books. There's always parts that can do it. But of all of those, what's the one most important? If I start writing like these really shitty books that don't work, uh, the interviews, the speeches, all that stuff is going to start fading out very quickly. If I stop doing interviews, stop doing speeches, but I deliver exceptional books, I will continue to thrive. So I know my QBR is the production of excellent books, and every single day is protected and it happens. Nothing else supersedes that. I love that example. Very cool. Awesome. On another note, tell me why you decided to insert a link to anger management on your website. Oh, anger management? That's funny, Kevin. Yeah, because, because some people like to surf around the website. Um, I don't know, if you ever see a movie, they call them goose eggs, you know, golden eggs or whatever. You'll see at the end of the movie, the, the credits are rolling by and people leave the room, but the few people in the know stay and then they see that little final scene. Well, that's a very compelling way to serve your most engaged audience. So studying movies and how they operate, is like, oh my gosh, my website needs to have these little golden goose eggs. So there's a there's there's little things that are kind of they're they're there but they're not so obvious. There's a way ways to pronounce my name kind of hidden away as a joke. There's that that site says if I hate my you know I hate Mike and you click on it, it goes to anger management. And yeah. we've run the analytics. We've sent over forty thousand people to the anger management website and they've never said a thank you note. <laughs> never. Did you take a class on being a comedian or are you naturally just a prankster? Yeah, I'm just a prankster. Uh, yeah and. <laughs> yeah, just I, just just who I am. So I, I love to joke around. It, it, you know, Andy and I were talking before we started broadcasting. It's like it doesn't resonate with everyone. Some people are like, oh, this guy's fun, he's cool. Other guys are like, this guy's a tool, and I get it. But it, but it's just who I am, and I'm not gonna live life. You know, try to be artificial. So it's just me. All right, Mike. So we we we've got to continue with these these uh, important questions. Now I need to know what is your favorite flavor of margarita. Oh, well, the classic margarita, which is lime-based, but uh, almost to what's called a gimlet level, which is just just give me a fresh squeezed lime, a little or a lot of tequila, and a little bit of ice, and that's pretty much it. Salt around the rim helps too. Yeah. See, my my wife—that's what my wife likes—and I hate classic margaritas. But man, you put a strawberry margarita in front of me, and I'll destroy it, and I'll put my pinky up while I'm drinking. Yeah, there you, know? you go, man. That's the only yeah. way to drink it. Well, usually when we order it, the the when the uh, when the server will come back, you know, they'll they'll hand me the regular and my wife the strawberry. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been no, there no. too, dude. I'm like, real no. man, get the strawberry. Come on, bring exactly. it over here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and you also, uh, I noticed the, uh, the, the little, uh, audio button on your, on your homepage. I was cracking up, uh, before we came that's on. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's epic. Um, I love all that, uh, the, com the comedy in, in your books and all the stuff that you do. The people who don't like it can, uh, can, can expletive off because I think it's epic and it really shows who you are. And I think that's why you have such a loyal following is, you know, you're just, <laughs> Thanks, Andy. so, Thank um, you. 
the hair looks great, by the way. Um, I think Thank you. Yeah, that's for my podcast. It's it's there. That's real yeah, hair. It, it's it's working great. It's working fantastically. All right. On that note, we we call this the the gratuitous plug time. So tell everybody, uh, you know, about your books. And I know you have a a large catalog. Um, you're welcome to to uh, list them off or just mention the ones you want to. Tell people okay. about your podcast. And you also have a ton, like this is, I, I want to thank you for this as well. So you have a ton of free resources on your website. Like most people, they write a book and I, and I, I love doing audiobooks. and I'll get to the end. And I'll be like, well, now what the F do I do? I mean, I, I don't yeah. know where to go. I mean, being able to print those sheets out and actually go through and fill them out is epic. So thank you for, for doing that. Oh yeah. My pleasure. Um, so shameless plug. So the, the first place to go maybe the only place if you want is mikemotorbike.com and uh that website has all my books it has uh i use it right for the wall street journal has links to everything and uh and you can get it all in one click so if you go to mikemotorbike.com and click on get the tools just enter your email i send it all to you in one shot and you don't even have to subscribe like i give you everything uh free chapters to my books and so forth if you feel compelled to pick up my books uh, they're, you know, local bookstore or whatever. I, I suggest Amazon because Amazon has the best pricing. Um, Fix This Next is available right now. And I'm really encouraging people to check it out. Um, I'm just super proud of the book. So it's, it's kind of that. And then my podcast is called Entrepreneurship Elevated. So whatever podcatcher you listen to, just type in Entrepreneurship Elevated. And uh, you're in for a different type of show, I think. It's pretty unique. It's a fantastic one. All right. Last but not least, what's next, Mike? Like, do you have a, you know, what's your five, 10 year, 15 year plan? Is it, is it still writing books? Do you have any uh, kind of like, you know, do you do the, uh, the Google like 80%, you know, is your QBR 20% is your, your dabbling on the side? Do you do any dabbling uh, or do you have any, any, any fun stuff and any hobbies, anything that, uh, you know, that you, you kind of uh, get involved with outside of, of what you do day to day? Yeah, I mean, for the future for me in regards to my business and stuff, the next 10, 20 years, I think till my final breath is writing books. I don't see anything else because I just love the impact it has. And I'm working on two new books right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I have a hobby. I play guitar on the side, but that's that's definitely never going to turn into a business. No one wants to hear this guy sing. No one <laughs> wants to hear me sing. That's epic. All right, guys, we have a few more minutes. Yeah. If, uh, any Anybody in the live uh anybody on Facebook or on any of the live channels wants to ask a quick question. We only got a couple minutes, uh, minutes. Mike's got to run uh, to his next event, you know, cause he's a rock star and we, you know, we got to hold up our phones and <laughs> I'm a rock star minus the rock star part. Yeah. Well, that's right. You're, you're a rock star to us. So uh, if you want, if you want any questions guys quickly um, type them in, otherwise we're, we're going to let Mike go. Uh, thank you so much, Mike, for, for coming on. I know your time's super valuable. We really, right. really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for being here. And it was great, uh, great chatting with you. And uh, hopefully we can do this again. We'll, we'll wait maybe for a, a, another more uh, couple books in the cycle so we can, you know, dig through them and stalk you. And then we, you can come back on and, and we, I'd be honored to, I'd be honored we, to. And, we can grill you again. Let me share that I'm wishing everyone that, that listened in today just tremendous success in your business. The world is starving for your success. So bring it, bring your A game. Awesome. Thanks awesome. again, Mike. Cool. All right. Take care, brother. All right. Take care, guys. Thank and remember you, remember to, to subscribe, review, rate, uh, rate the podcast. We really appreciate that, guys. Uh, we are really, uh, Amy and I, we were talking before this, we are, we are going for moonshot guests. We are we're making a list of, you know, people that, you know, we think would be uh, hard to get on. Like Mike was one of those 
Uh, so was Neil Patel. Uh, we're trying to just get people on that, uh, that we know are going to make a huge impact in your guys' business. Um, if you guys have any requests or suggestions on that, uh, let us know, but, um, we're going to make our moonshot list and we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to reach out and try to get all these great people on because, uh, you know, to get them to answer questions, uh, you know, not only just for general business, but, you know, on an Amazon business, which is what most of us do in the context of that, you know, works, uh, amazing. So thank you guys so much and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.